Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It is Wednesday, February 1st, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And Stephanie Cook. Bonjour. <gasps> so, um, That's so good. Really? That was French? <laughs> I did not know. I think you just enlightened all our listeners. Onto what word bonjour, the language it's from. Those words were in the right order, but let's move on. Uh, this week on Talking Comics, we're going to be doing a little uh, casting. We're going to be talking about, kind of in light of the Green Arrow pilot that's being filmed for the CW called Arrow, uh, we're talking about what DC characters we'd like to see have their own television shows. Uh, but that's a little bit later in the show. Um, we're also going to, of course, do our book of the weeks, and we're going to do some off the beaten path with Steve. Um, but before that, I just have to say, most importantly, I just watched the second season of Sherlock on the BBC show. No spoilers on the third episode. No, I'm not talking about any of the spoilers, because okay. it hasn't aired in America yet, so that wouldn't be very fair. Okay. <laughs> um, boy, is that fucking brilliant. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yep. It's amazing. We'll be talking about that a little bit later, actually. Sherlock? You'll say. You'll say. Okay. (laughs) It's a surprise. I'm very very confused. Um, Yeah, me too. Awesome, though. And I've started catching up on my Oscar movies that I've missed. I watched The Descendants. And How I was was, that? it was really good, really, really good. And I saw the help as well, which I really liked a lot. I enjoyed it too. Um, I thought that Viola Davis was amazing in it. But mm-hmm. uh, Steve, you watched any movies recently? Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched possibly the worst movie that I've seen in several months. Certainly, the worst mm-hmm. movie that I've seen this year. I know it's only January mm-hmm. or soon to be February, mm-hmm. but uh, I watched In Time with Justin Timberlake. And Amanda really? Seyfried and Olivia Wilde, and it was f- fucking awful. <laughs> it was so bad. It's a yeah, new it really was right? that bad. I hated it. I hated every. I had to watch What's Your Number, so I'm pretty sure that comparable to In Time, I don't know. It's really I don't know. This movie bad. was so stupid. Nothing. I didn't believe anything that was going on in this movie, even though it's science fiction. I never believed for a second that this like workaday Justin Timberlake character could all of a sudden, because he was threatened, turn into like the James Bond of time, <laughs> and just the the bullshit situations that they put him in in this film that he he managed to wriggle his his way out. It was awful. I hated it. It was two hours of my life that I'll never get back. You mean you didn't buy Olivia Wilde as Mommy Dearest? No, and 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 I love. I was telling uh, Bob and Bobby earlier that you could have taken her role and just played the trailer over again for people, and that that would have been it. Uh, it was awful. I hated every minute of it. I hope I never have to watch it again. 
And uh, but I did watch the Rum Diary, mm-hmm. and I was very very satisfied. Being a huge uh, Hunter S. Thompson fan, I uh, I thought it did it uh, well justice. So kudos. And the reviews were completely negative on this. I it's a love story. I don't know what people if people if people were expecting Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, it is not. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much I, I think it's the story of how he met his wife. So. With you know th- those movies, they never they're never really about anything. They're character driven mm-hmm. movies. Even Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you can't really tell people what that movie's about. It's mm-hmm. just kind of these characters running amok through Vegas. Same thing with the Rum yeah. Diary. So, well, anyway. Fear and Loathing is a love story in some way. It's Hunter and the lawyer. It's the it's, true. It, it's that friendship. I enjoy I enjoyed the Rum Diary. I thought it was very good. So um, there you go. it's a shame that in time is not good because. It's. I mean, he's been living off this movie since he made it. But Andrew Nichol, who made Gattaca, is the guy who made it in time. Well, I like Gattaca. I, I love, love Gattaca, yeah. but he's been living off like, oh, he's the guy who made Gattaca for, since he made Gattaca in '97. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, his, his other movies. I think he made Lord of War, which wasn't very good. Yes. And there, look, there was a car. There was a car. I don't care if it's a spoiler. There was a car crash in the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. This shit looked so fake. <laughs> it was like 1995 special effects. It was it was a, a hoodless car. Okay, no seatbelt in the world would have kept them in their seats. And not only do they, you know, exit the car with only a few scratches. But they're like running at top speeds immediately. In high heels. In high heels. Yeah. As like, Justin Timberlake in high heels. Yeah. Are you, are you okay? Are you good to go? Yeah, I'm fine. And one minute they're they're walking separately and they trust each other. And in the very next scene, he's got a gun to her back again. Oh. It well, sucked. It's basically like, I don't know. It's basically sci-fi Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, it was. It was. It totally was. Uh, if you, uh, anybody that wants to... Uh, hear more about my rage, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. I, t- <laughs> yes. I tweeted about it all last night while I was watching it. It's at Dead Anchorus if you're interested. Um, yes, that's all I got, man. Um, See, Bonnie and Clyde is one of the greatest movies ever. Mm-hmm. So to be the sci-fi Bonnie and Clyde. This was this like giving be... Bonnie and Clyde a giant sci-fi middle finger is what this okay. was. All right. All right. Well, so, let's chill out about in time. Yeah, yes. It wasn't that bad. It was horrible. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Before we get into the main show, I just want to say there, there was an announcement, uh, I guess, yesterday that said that Jeff Lemire is taking over Justice League Dark, and I'm very excited about that. And we're on a positive note in our pre-Book <laughs> yes. of the Week discussion. <laughs> um, super psyched, because it's a book that I already like but don't love, and for somebody to be taking over that book who I think is amazing, I'm really pumped about that. Um, <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> let me know today, and I wrote, oh my god, oh my god, that's so fucking great. <laughs> Nice. So there you go. A jumping on point. A jumping on point. Um, So let's move on to book of the week. Let's talk a little bit about comic books because that's what we're here to do. Um, Bob, why don't you start out this week? Okay. It's a little different. I was probably going to talk about Fantastic Four 602. Which was very good. But we've gone down Mm. that road. So instead, it's an entire miniseries. It's issues one to five of Howie Chaikin's Avengers 1959. Uh, which was he introduced in New Avengers number nine. It's sort of a Cold War group of people, superheroines, superheroes, who are banded together by Nick Fury. And in this uh, miniseries, it's a resurgent Nazi Third Reich sort of thing. So you have Sabretooth, Dominic Fortune, the original Silver Sable, the father of the one that's running around now, Nomura, 
and the Blonde Phantom and Nick Fury in all sorts of different settings and, and romantic locales, and it's a spy thing and superheroes all at once. He did Black Hawk in the Shadow. He's wonderful at these period pieces. Art's great. He wrote it, coloring the whole thing. This is a wonderful little package. Mm. It helps to read all five in a lump, as I just did. Highly recommended. Um, I saw, well, open the first issue, I saw Craven was in there as well. Yes, he is. I forgot him. Thank you very much. Yeah, Craven the Hunter. <laughs> mm-hmm. For you Spider-Man fans yeah. out there. Um, so, is there anything else you want to say about it? I mean, I haven't got a chance to read it. I, I, you're, I've already called dibs to borrow it. So Yes. No, that's about it. You can't give too much away. There are too many ins and outs of this okay. it's, as a spy book. Mm-hmm. It's very much uh, espionage. Does it, is it self-contained? Within Completely its- self-contained. Okay. If you know some of these characters, it helps mm-hmm. because you see their traits shown up. But it, you, he really introduces everybody. Everyone gets a moment. Cool. Awesome. So Avengers 1959, there's, it's a five-part. Five-issue five mini. Five-issue mini. Okay. Completely out now. There'll be a trade to come, I'm sure. I'm sure. In the next couple yeah. months, I'm sure there will be. That's cool. Sounds uh, something I want to read. I like the, uh, like the espionage spy stuff. It's a, it's a cool spin. It sounds like a like a 1959 version of the Warren Ellis like Secret Avengers type of situation. Yeah. Well, again, it was in the New Avengers as a side story. Okay. To, to sort of reinforce what was happening in the real story, mm-hmm. and they decided, okay, look, people are interested. Let's go for this. And it says Avengers on it. So it says Avengers. It can't. <laughs> it, it it says Avengers much bigger than 1959 <laughs> on does. the covers. It's about five <laughs> times as large. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. So Avengers 1959. Yep. Um, Stephanie, what about you? What do you got for us this week? Um, so again, if you follow me on Twitter or anything like that, you may have noticed I've been tweeting a lot about Batman graphic novels and comics that I've been catching up on. Um, over the weekend, I read Batman Year One for the first time. and Good job. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yes. Um, and then I also came across False Faces, which is a Brian K. Vaughn Batman graphic novel. Um, I was so excited when I came across this. I was like, fuck yeah, I own this? This is Brian K. Vaughn? This exists? And I got into it, and this is not my book of the week. I was very disappointed. Um, But I wanted to get sort of back into my love for Brian K. Vaughn, and I was like, why does this suck so much? And um, so I decided to revisit Runaways. Um, I've been talking about this series a lot over the past few podcasts. And I think when I mentioned Morning Glories being Runaways meets (laughs) Lost in a Sinister Prep School, you know, (laughs) um, I decided that I would finally talk about Runaways um, for people who don't already know about it. Um, So basically... Where to really start with Runaways? Um, let me see. The premise, I guess, is basically it's a group of young kids. Their lives take a turn for the worse when they discover that they're the children of a secret group of supervillains called the Pride. Ba-ba-bum. Dun-dun-dun. In a world. They basically discover this because they kind of like, they're like, tee-hee, let's spy on our parents. And they witness them sacrificing this girl. That's hey, nearly, hey. As, that's yeah. nearly as bad as seeing your parents in bed. That's true. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, there's equal amounts of screaming and crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, the parents, these kids not wanting to be a part of this 
shenanigans that's going on. Um, <laughs> and in an effort to thwart their parents' attempts at evil doing, they uh, decide to run away. And uh, they discover that because they're children of supervillains or just because, you know, it makes for a better story, they're <laughs> not that ordinary either. And they kind of come into these superpowers and abilities. Um, so basically this series is again Brian K. Vaughn, he created it, um, and it's by, it's a Marvel series? Yes. Um, let's see, what else can I say about this? How long is, how long is it? Like, it's a long running, right? It's, it's still, I think it's still running, but this is the collected, yeah, um, so. volume one. So it's called Pride and Joy, and, um, the characters, the main characters are a bunch of kids. We have like Alex, Carolina, Carolina, whatever. <laughs> Gert, Chase, Molly, and Nico. Um, so basically I said that they kind of come into these powers. Carolina discovers that she's actually an alien. She's a super sexy lesbian alien. Hey, hey. So, <laughs> guys, oh. you wanna read that one? Oh, right. um, That's what it says I am in my uh, OkCupid profile. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then there's Gert and she discovers that she has a psychic connection with like a pet dinosaur that her parents commissioned for her from the 87th century sweet yeah and so um, Gert and her dinosaur become they want to have like this really cool superhero duo name and they're they become arsenic and old lace beautiful um <laughs> Um, then we've got like oh sorry what no I'm saying so is the book um, is this the ongoing stories of these kids running away are they are they being yeah. chased by their supervillain um, parents or their parents are trying to get them to stop too and then they just sort of run into trouble all the time okay and um, basically uh, like I believe the Avengers are in it for a little bit too and um, various Marvel characters are trying to kind of stop these kids and kind of take them under wing and um, just sort of help them out like there's appearances by cloak and dagger and um molly kicks the shit out of the punisher at some point <laughs> wow <laughs> and um she's the youngest she's like eight years old or something like that anyways but uh basically it's just them trying to escape from their sort of fate that their parents want to bestow on them um yep. it's such a great series um i believe after the collected volume 10 Joss Whedon actually takes over as the mm. writer. Ooh. And um, quite honestly, I stopped reading at this point because it got kind of bad. But um, what, the Brian what, K. What? On, yeah, I know. And please know that I hold Joss Whedon in the highest regard I'm and I would not say the, that if it were not true. I'm cutting you from the podcast right now. <laughs> this whole part's going to be edited out. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. But the Brian K. Vaughn run is amazing. And I think... I don't think too many people, like, they were going to make a movie out of it, but um, it's really fantastic. It's a great series, and it just takes a really honest look at the lives of these kids that don't really, they get over their heads, and they don't know what to do with themselves, and yeah, it's fantastic. Very cool. So, The Runaways by Ryan K. Vaughn, um, specifically we're talking about the collected volume one, but obviously there's up to ten collected volumes that Brian K. Vaughn himself wrote. Is it really yes, that Yes, I long? believe there's up to 10 that he wrote, and then again, Oof. Joss Whedon, and a couple other writers take over. Collected volume. Like, we're not talking like... Talking trades. 
Oh. Like 10 traits. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking no, about like, like 10 omnibuses. Like Walking no, 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 Dead no. compendium. No. No. <laughs> you know, no like volume, volume 1's numbers 1 to 6. Like and 10 then... telephone books worth of the runaways. No, 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 no. But yeah. there are, if you go to the comic book store, there's like a two shelves of the runaways. That's cool. I want to check yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, so, but see, what did you check out this week? Uh, I read a, I, I, I don't even know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? You're looking at it right know. now. No, um, I, the, the book that uh, I chose for my favorite book of the week is uh, actually number five of Batman the Dark Knight, uh, part of the new uh, DC 52. Actually, it's not very new anymore. Is it still it? says it on that book, though. All right. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Basically, I'm not going to get into the the backstory of one through four because, in my estimation, you can hand uh, number five to anybody and they can pretty much just pick up where the story is. And you just handed it to me in the right. same way, and you picked it right up. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of Batman books that are out. There's a Batman book every week. So, how do you choose? You know, which Batman book to read? Obviously, Scott Snyder's Batman mm-hmm. is the best one. That's how you choose yes. it. But. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of hanging on to The Dark Knight for a while, hoping that it would get better. And this was the issue that made me really happy that I stuck with the series. And it's making me think that I might have to go back and read one through four to see how we got to this point, just to see if it was all necessary. But um, this issue opens up uh, right out of the gate with uh, a big close-up of Scarecrow's uh, hand and his fear toxin being uh, released into the atmosphere between him and Batman. Now, the Scarecrow uh, has been, for several years, has always been my favorite Batman villain. I know a lot of people, I, I love the Joker, I love Catwoman, all those characters, but there's something about the Scarecrow that him exposing Batman's fears and Bruce Wayne's fears that I think makes for some really great storytelling and possibly puts Batman in the most vulnerable of positions that he can be in from his, I mean, with the exception of his loved ones being threatened, the scarecrow seems to reduce him to this like sniveling mess of a man. And he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be the embodiment of fear. And the scarecrow is bringing his fears to the surface. Mm. So I always, I always like it when they, uh, when they bring him in. But anyway, um, it's written by David Finch and Paul Jenkins and Richard friend both do an absolutely spectacular job uh, with the art of this book. It's got at least four or five really great uh, either full-page or double-page panels. Uh, we got a little uh, special guest, not going to give it away, yeah. but uh, there's some. There's a really nice battle between uh, Batman and another character in the DC Universe, and it just it makes for some really cool insights to his character that this is supposed to be a reboot, this is supposed to be learning who Batman is again, and it basically introduces uh, an element uh, from Batman's past that has always been a part of the stories, and it presents it to you at a time when Batman is, quite frankly, really fucked up at the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it was a really, really ingenious time to introduce this whole situation into the series. I'm really, really hoping that it continues to be as good as this issue because the issue really made reading the other ones worthwhile, and I am looking forward to uh, number six. I do believe that um, Bane is actually going to be... He's on the cover of six, so I'm guessing that he's going to be showing up. Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys read it. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah well, you I'm, I'm very much reminded of the O'Neill Adams 
things here, the large spreads, the disorienting panel layouts to, to replicate what he's going through in his mind. I'm trying not to be, I want to be too spoilery here, but you, uh, O'Neill always said that Batman as a character was the eight-year-old he was when his parents were killed emotionally. And the Scarecrow brings him to that point. He's a vulnerable, scared, mm. lashing out character. And here there's someone who's the focus of that anger who shouldn't be but is. It is just brilliantly written and drawn. This is a really great book. Um, there are... I, I liked it. It's a little bit... Um, I guess Scarecrow in general is a little bit over-the-top character and this kind of he makes these speeches to batman that are very verbose and very like full of extreme imagery and um it just isn't my like what i react to necessarily in comic books um and there's also just speaking of that fight that happens again i don't want to spoil it but listen he's fighting a character who is stronger than he is but he seems to at times to be able to knock that character around a little bit and I don't really understand why I I don't I can't say it without spoiling there is okay. a very good reason okay but is it from another point in the no okay because I, I maybe you well you don't really you don't look at the art very much when you're, I when do you're look reading. at the art but I just didn't get why it was happening but uh, let's not uh, I want to move on from that yeah. uh, I thought it was good and it's better than the other issues there are two issues of th- that this book that I've read yeah so yeah. Um, speaking of how about for you improved issues? That's actually what mine is. My I'm my book of I want to talk about is Justice League number five. Now, it was not my favorite book of the week, but it is the first time that this run of the Justice League has satisfied me in any sort of dramatic way. Um, it's I have criticized Justice League a lot in the past for its um, seemingly lost character motivations and odd narrative and the way that it sort of throws us into a situation where we have all these characters in one place without ever establishing any of them and a villain that were that is obviously been around and he's continuity for a long time but in a new series he has no i don't know who he is i don't know if he's supposed to be powerful i mean i know who he is yeah. but in the context of the book i don't know who he is i don't know who, i don't know who dark side is in, in, in our dark seed in the book and um so I feel like that that revelation is kind of is kind of underwhelming, um, and also if you're gonna the first issue where it, it was just basically Batman and Green Lantern, and you kind of started to get to know these two characters, but after that issue they just started piling on heroes without really identifying who these heroes were, um, and I don't believe that in a book you should be expected to care about characters just because in another incarnation you knew who they were, and yes. that's kind of what Jeff Johns was doing. Um, so I picked it up this week really because I was just like, well, we, some, we should probably be reading justice. Like that's the only reason I picked it up and I really enjoyed it. And it's for the first time in the series, it starts to make them act like the justice league and they act as at least a little bit of a team and they begin to, um, figure out what, what each one of them is. And, but more than them, the, the fact that they're working together is something that you can expect to come later in a series if you're starting in the beginning. But the, what this issue does that makes it so much better to me is that we finally get an idea of at least who some of the characters are. We get to see the Green Lantern is brash, but he's also incredibly brave. He's willing to die to to fight this yeah. character, and 
you know, he's kind of a douche while he's doing it, but he's only doing it because he has that bravery. Right, has a forward thrust. He's going where he needs to go. Yeah. Um, you get this, you finally get to see the Flash kind of be a little bit funny and then also use his power and show that, you know, he uses his brain as much as his his power to get away from the, the this threat that's, that's coming in at them. And he ends up getting away from a threat that another character who is much more powerful does not because he uses uh, uh, his brain, you know, and doesn't just think that he's strong enough or fast enough to get away from it by himself. Um, and finally, above everything else, Batman finally does something in the Hallelujah. book. We're five yeah. issues in and Batman has been reduced to, you guys should really try to work together. You know, that's what he's been doing the whole, the, most of the issues. He, he does something pretty major. In this, <laughs> yeah. issue. in this issue, there's some, there's a couple huge moments with him. Um, a really great moment um, with, especially with the Green Lantern. There's a really great sequence, and he finally starts to take a little control, starts to assert himself a little bit, starts to show his character, and that made all the difference in the issue to me. Because now, at the end of the issue, I'm I want to see what's going to happen with the the Justice League and the mission that Batman's on. I want to see like what's going to happen with these things and. That's the first time from finishing the book that I've been ex- really excited more than just, oh, this character is coming next, which has been what each issue has been. Now it's time for the Aquaman. <laughs> now it's time for Wonder Woman. You know, that's what each issue has been. And finally, it feels like the Jeff Johns that I've gotten used to reading now once again so, writing this book, you know? Does it seem like there's as much stuff going on in this one issue as the four preceding it yes. combined? This issue, uh, this, this could have been issue three and it would have been fine. Yeah. You know, and that's how unnecessary the other the middle issues are for me in 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 this in this run. It's just this actually moves the story ahead, whereas the other books did not move the story ahead at all. And so I'm glad. I think next week is the conclusion of this first like origin arc, and then we go we go back into modern day because this is still five years before the rest of the DC universe, um, except for Action Comics, which is a couple years before this. Uh, oh, but, now I'm confused again. Uh, but I, I, if you've been reading the Justice League and you've you've been turned off by it and you have you haven't maybe picked up issue five yet, definitely pick it up because it, it it if you've been sitting through what I consider to be a subpar book, this is when it actually gets very good. It's it's gone from subpar to me to very good. So. That's my recommendation. Good for choice. That. I'm curious, uh, Steph. I know that you were gonna be catching up with a lot of the DC 52. Do you plan on reading Justice League? Um, sorry. Actually, Justice League number one, I think, is one of the only DC 52s that I've actually read so far. Um, and I wasn't too impressed with the first issue, but that being said, if it does have some potential, it's something that I would like to continue reading and checking up on <laughs> i mean i'm sure that it will be easier to actually get through if you read them five in a row than having to wait a month for each issue yeah um i will say this i mean i talk about jeff johns a lot the book still looks amazing and it's looked amazing in all five issues finally the writing is kind of catching up to how good the book looks because jim lee is amazing so now is he again i've talked about this before is he writing to the trade I don't looking know. for a six issue arc within the major storyline so we have to spread it through that artificial construct i guess he could be but i mean he basically runs the company you're basically looking yeah. to people who run the company so i, I if he's doing that it's because he wants to do it i don't think he's being forced okay. to do it in any way um i just think he 
I just think like all good talent, you, you sometimes you just go wrong for a little bit, you know, and gotcha. you think you're doing something right and, and you have to course correct yourself at some point. And I hope that's what's happening. But so that's uh, my book of the week, Justice League number five. Steve, what are we doing off the beaten path? Um, off the beaten path, we've got two uh, books this week. I'm not going to spend too much time on them all, but uh, as we we had a podcast not too long ago that we were talking about things that we were looking forward to in 2012. And one of the things that I'd listed was the return of the Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, tentatively called The Legend of Korra, that's coming out later this year on the Nickelodeon network. And I know that uh, people have told me that there have been like a couple of like in-between adventures and the lost adventures and stuff like that. There have been like one or two trades that have come out. But um, this book that I have here is actually called The Promise Part One. And this is the first official uh, book of the in-between events from like the moment of the ending of the first series of, of season three. This picks up, um, I think, maybe a year after that. So this is like the most, the closest you're going to get to picking up between seasons when they start the new show. And it's, for me, it was, it was highly enjoyable to read. You can read it in maybe 20 minutes. Uh, if you're a fan of the series at all, it's absolutely awesome. All of the uh, all the writers, all the art, everything is super super official about the book. Um, Sokka, uh, Katara, Toph, and Zuko and Aang—they're all back. And basically, the plot of it is that Zuko is now the Fire Lord of the Fire Nation, and he's created a treaty where he's trying to unite all of the nations. Now, because everybody's been feuding for so long. They don't exactly all get along with one another, and certain people don't want to give up their homes and invite the people that have, they've been battling with forever to come and live where they live. They're like, you know, I know you're trying to make things all nicey-nice, but you killed my grandfather. <laughs> so, um, Deal breaker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's pretty much the story of, of Zuko learning to cope with his new position, and he makes uh, he has Aang make a promise to him that should he fall off the wagon, should he get power hungry, should he start to lose his grip, that Aang will end him. No questions asked. Take him out because he knows that he can. Um, so pretty much the book is 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 coping with the fact that Zuko, after a while, is starting to lose it a little bit. Um, and he's starting to kind of think like his father and things are kind of going south. And Aang is coming to grips with the fact that he might need to kill his friend. Um, the only thing that I want to touch on beyond this is, uh, one element to the story that I really, really love that, uh, this is a spoiler. If you haven't seen the Avatar series, sorry, but it's gotta be mentioned. Uh, Aang and Katara actually end up together by the end of the first series as boyfriend and girlfriend. And in the promise, they actually follow through with that. And they are very, very much in love, very much together, pet names, little hearts drawn around them, snuggling, the whole bit. Now, normally I wouldn't even mention this, but I do love the fact that they bother to keep the relationship because I think that it's really, really important for young readers and especially young fans of the series to see an animated couple, if that makes any sense to anyone. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, there aren't really very many. And if there are, they're bickering. It's some kind of, or it already happened and there's bad blood between them. 
it's really cool to see two characters that are very influential on the whole Nickelodeon culture and that audience that they treat each other with respect. They hang out with one another. They spend quality time together. They learn from one another. And it's a very endearing relationship. I, I, I'm not equating it to like something fictitious like Kermit and Miss Piggy that like there seems to be this universal love for a couple that quite frankly is just puppets but people care about their relationship I find myself caring about this animated relationship just as a fan of animation as a fan of characters I think it's really cool that this exists at all in the series Um, a couple of them are hooked up with people actually but um, their relationship is is very well fleshed out, very enjoyable to watch, and quite frankly, it's hilarious because Katara's brother Sokka is constantly making jokes, constantly getting grossed out, and Sokka is the funniest character in the series. They crack some really, really good jokes uh, in this book. I laughed out loud several times. So that's uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. And real quick, I think I might have Bob help me out with this. A uh, little book Uh-oh. came out by uh, Boom, and it's called uh, Steed and Mrs. Peel, which is based off of the hit TV show, the old hit TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, the, the uh, very old yeah, hit the TV Avengers. show. And I'll just give my take on it really quick, and then Bob sure. can take over. I really liked it. Like I said earlier, I like the spy stuff. I like the espionage stuff. That's some of my favorite things to read. Uh, I like a good mystery. And that's what this book is so far, is a very refined uh, murder mystery. The characters are cool. The dynamic between our two heroes is spot on. And it's it was, I can't wait for the next issue. I was really, really digging yeah. it. I read it just before I came over here. And uh, it really struck a chord with me. I enjoyed it. Well, it's Grant Morrison. And it's actually a reprint of a book that came out about 10, 12 years ago. He manages to blend all the different steed partners together into into a new story and each one of them when steed was was partnered up with whether it was Catherine gale or mrs peel or tara king as we went along each one was different and he has that voice which is very hard to do he is obviously a fan yeah the artwork is evocative it's 60s and modern at the same time it's a, just a wonderful, fun book. If you're a fan, it's it's a great summation to a series we all loved. If you're not, it might be a wonderful introduction to watching the old episodes. I found it to be, um, I'm just going to use this word, I found it to be really classy. Like it, yes. it, 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 had a, it had a really good feel to it, a good tone. And um, I, like the, I like the world that, that they mm-hmm. inhabit. I think, I think the characters are really cool. There's a very much a, um, almost like, a, like an Agatha Christie kind of vibe to the mm-hmm. mysteries a little bit well brian clemens who produced it once we got to the mrs peel era was was very famous in interviews saying to people well, how come in your show you don't have this this is this policemen and people of color and all sorts of things he said no my characters are actually caricatures they're an embodiment of a britain that doesn't really exist so if i put them next to real people they look ridiculous so they're in Avengers land mm-hmm. where there can be diabolical masterminds and this and this. And it's an upper crust sort of elite special place where my characters exist. And if you get it, great. If not, go watch Man from Uncle. Awesome. All right. So Avatar The Last Airbender, what's the name of the book? 
Uh, it's called The Promise Part 1. The Promise Part 1. And Steed, Steed right? Yeah, Steed, Steed and, and Mrs. Mrs. Peel, uh, number one of six. And it's by Boom Studios. And uh, real quick, the next Avatar book is coming out in May, I believe, this summer. Okay, great. Awesome. Yep. Uh, and that's Avatar, not the James Cameron movie. No. no. And the Avengers, not the Iron Man Captain America. This one came first, actually. I know that, but I'm just making people know that we're not <laughs> yeah, talking okay. about like a 60s Avengers show. Yeah. You know, we're talking about uh, the British it's spy two characters show. you've never heard of. Yeah. All right, so that's it for Off the Beaten Path. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back to talk about our casting for DC TV shows. We are back, and we're here to talk about casting, or creation, basically, really, of DC character-based television shows. Um, this is all coming off the fact that Arrow, a pilot based on the Green Arrow character from the DC Universe, is being, uh, well, didn't get greenlit, but it's being shot by the CW mm-hmm. right now. Um, and so this got me thinking, well, what DC characters or, you know, um, groups, what DC books do we want to see turned into... Um, a TV show. And, you know, I kind of wanted to go at it in the fact that, you know, it's easy to say, you know, I want there to be a Spider-Man TV show, but, you know, Spider-Man's a, mostly a movie character and, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's no discernible reason why he'd rather be a TV character than a movie character, except that comic books are more episodic. But, you know, these big characters like X-Men, Spider-Man, stuff like that, um, it's easy to say that, but I wanted to stretch a little bit and kind of, why does why would these characters be good for a TV show? You, you know what I mean. And so it's kind of the ethos I went with. And I think we all kind of different variations did a little casting, did a little maybe who we wanted to make the show, did a little bit where we wanted the show to air, kind of situation. Um, so I'm gonna go first. And so I chose Nightwing as my as my TV show. Nice pick. And the reason I did that is a because Robin is a character who has gotten a very bad rap in the mainstream for the most part in his in his career he's been in a very cheesy 60s yeah. no one wants show. to be holy, saved by robin no holy swiss cheese batman you know, you know he uh a horrible two horrible batman movies the only two bad batman <laughs> modern movies he is in um played by chris o'donnell obviously and that's just poor treatment he's basically a joke i mean people who who watched the Batman animated series know that he's not a joke because he was pretty cool on that show. But for the most part, people think of him as a joke. Um, so, but I do understand also that it's very difficult to show a pre-teenage boy kicking ass as a credible yeah. main character. So I saw both the best of both worlds here um, because Nightwing obviously is Dick Grayson first Robin now all grown up. Um, in his mid twenties, early twenties, whatever, um, fighting crime uh, on the streets of Gotham and other places sometimes, and he has the same kind of kind of gadgets as Batman does, but he has different skill set because he's he's more acrobatic than Batman is, and his main character Dick Grayson is less damaged and tortured than Bruce Wayne is, but he does have a 
sad past. Yeah, good backstory still. Yeah, which can make for interesting character stuff. Um, he also, you know, he also has ties to the circus, and especially in the new run, he's kind of part of this circus again. He's kind of owning the circus in, in some way. So you can have him traveling if you so wish. Um, the other thing, too, is that because it takes place in Gotham City, you have a whole host of characters you can play off of to inject. You have a, a set of rogues who you can call upon. You can call upon some of the lesser rogues. You can call upon some of the more main rogues they're if you want. They're still his. Yeah, they're yeah. still his as well. Um, you also have characters you can, you know, a character like Batgirl can be a very big character in the, in the story because mm-hmm. um, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon have a rather rich history yes. with one another. And you also have other characters that appeared, you know, you have Batwoman, who obviously lives in Gotham City. You have Commissioner Gordon. You have the whole Gotham PD. Um, you have to give Dick Grayson a job during the day because he just kind of is, I have a lot of Bruce Wayne's money, so yeah. <laughs> I just fight crime, you know? Um, so you have to give him something to kind of episodically do every day. Um, but the other thing to do is he's a crime fighter, right? So you get a good chance to deal with both... Um, you know, episodic storytelling, but also big serialized stories. You know, mm-hmm. this murderer is taking out these people in Gotham. This villain is doing this, doing that. Right. The street level thing becomes a larger story, overriding arc. Sure, exactly. Um, and and so the first thing I thought of was, okay, so who gets to make this show? Um, you need some. It's going to be a serious superhero show, which really hasn't been done before to any successful level. So you need somebody who can has power, has TV clout, and who can who has superhero knowledge as well so he understands the property. So I would... Um, Brian Singer, who produced House, can br- bring it... But you need somebody to run it because mm-hmm. Brian Singer's not going to run it. He's make, he makes movies. Um, so, like Jack the Giant Killer. Yes. So uh, uh, John Michael Straczynski, who um, is very famous. He ran Babylon 5 for a very long time, but he also... He wrote for seven years on The Amazing Spider-Man, and he's a so he has both TV experience and comic book experience, uh, and is very well respected in the world of geek entertainment. Um, I picked FX for the network because you need a network that's going to not worry too much yeah, about with some balls exactly yes. with, with s- s- lower ratings that might start out low because something people haven't seen before it can be a little violent, so you can have some fisticuffs because he is a you know a hand-to-hand fighter. For the most part. <clears throat> and um, so that's why I picked the network. And then the casting. Again, this is really tough because all these shows get cast with people who, you know, were the fourth lead on this show who we don't know who they are until they get cast in a show. Um, but I went with uh, Ian Summerhalder, who was in Lost. Obviously, he's Boone in Lost, but he's also now in The Vampire Diaries. Ooh. Um, he looks like Dick Grayson in, in a lot of ways. Uh, if you go on the site right now, there's, or, there's an article about our picks, and I actually photoshopped a picture of him and then him with the mask on and the suit, and he looks <laughs> just like him. He has the jawline yeah. is just insane. And I think he's a good actor, and I think he can do, as Boone, he proved that he didn't have to be this really serious, brooding, intense guy. He was a little more goofy, and so I, I like that kind of you know, dichotomy. And he also has like the right frame and build as well. He doesn't, he's not big and bulky, but he's still in, in, you know, in good like actor shape. So, you know, you got that going for it. So that's, that was, that'd be my choice. Interesting. Excellent. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. So, um, does anybody have anything they want to say about my choice? No, you're good to go. It's, it's <laughs> a, interesting. Yeah. That's my word for What's it. it. What does that mean? Interesting. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, anytime that I see him, I think of either Boone or vampire boy. Vampire boy. <laughs> no, but I, I, I do I do see where you're going with it. And yeah. 
you know, why not? Mm-hmm. It's Batman without being Batman. Mm-hmm. You get to inhabit the world, which is so rich. Yeah. Why not go for it? Why and you get to have so maybe Batman stories? on the show. Yeah. That's sometime. Hmm. Which could make for a good show. Um, Steve, what are you doing? All right. Let's see. Let me get my little piece of paper out here. I am. Uh, I decided to go with uh, Bat. Uh, Bat. Gotham. Gotham City Sirens. Uh, Gotham oh. City Sirens is the adventures of Harley Quinn, uh, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman all living together. And they basically, they, they're they trying to do right. Catwoman's still stealing stuff. Uh, Poison Ivy just wants to be left alone, grow plants. <laughs> and Harley is actually trying to... Um, be like on the better side of things she's still she's still harley but she's like she's looking for love she's trying to uh curb her habit she's trying to get over the joker even though it's something that you know never truly happens for her so um one of the really cool things that i i I thought was uh was neat about this was the the way that the series or or the book starts is uh the riddler is actually their landlord and (laughs) He's under uh, one of Poison Ivy's like love spells, mm-hmm. so he's basically sitting on their couch, catatonic, like surrounded by mm-hmm. vines and flowers growing out of his ears and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And uh, eventually, he he wakes up and he realizes that you know they haven't been paying their rent, they've been keeping him in this state for so long, and he turns around and starts to create all this hell and all these all these mysteries for them. So with that in mind, uh, I actually also wanted the FX uh, channel mm-hmm. to handle uh, my imaginary show because they do they have balls mm-hmm. they have they have a way of presenting their shows that you can you can take it you could take it beyond like you could have it be mature but not so over the top that it would be considered like HBO Showtime mm-hmm. material. So um, the creative team that I wanted for the show was actually the creative team behind Fringe, mm. which was J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtzman, and Roberto, uh, was that Orsi? Orsi, I think, yeah. 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 Um, I've only seen, I think, maybe one season of Fringe, but as far as the as the writing and the overall look of the show that very like blue metallic lens flare type of thing i think it'd be really awesome to present um like a very beaten part of town of gotham mm-hmm. in that way i think you could have some really cool uh sleek building shots uh there's lots and lots of action in uh gotham city sirens everything's blowing up car chases bank heists all this crazy stuff so let's get to some castings. Uh, now, why I mentioned Sherlock earlier when you when you right. said it is because uh, Lara Pulver, who uh, is what's her name, Stephanie Irene. Oh, Irene Adler. Adler. Irene Adler. Yeah, yeah. Irene the Adler. The woman. I mm-hmm. cast her as my Selena Kyle Catwoman. She is dead sexy. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, she even looks the part a little bit. And uh, after watching her in just that one episode, I am a huge fan, and I would love to see her on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. preferably in a skin-tight black outfit <laughs> with a wig. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Okay. So, that's my Catwoman. Uh, Pamela Isley, or Poison Ivy, I uh, cast Deborah Ann Wall, who is Jessica from True Blood, oh, okay. the redhead. 
Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Right, yeah. Sexy Absol- pants. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> uh, extremely, extremely talented. Great actress. I think she would pull off a very uh, sultry and dangerous uh, Poison Ivy. Now, the my choice for Harley Quinn uh, is a little is a little strange. <laughs> I chose Melissa Roch from Big Bang Theory. She actually plays Bernadette, who is um, oh, what's his name? Oh my God, why am I blanking? The on this? the oh God, the it's an H, right? The, the, you're the little guy, right? Yeah. Um, oh my God, I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah. Why is this? Stephanie, do you remember his name? I don't watch Big Bang Theory. Oh, oh God, you're better off. Actually. I am so, no, no, I love that show. Anyway, <laughs> that was a big boo for me. Bernadette, <laughs> you just don't get it, man. Oh, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on because I can't remember his name. Um, I have. Oh, there's a character in the in the series uh, by the name of Jenna Duffy who is known as the Carpenter. She's actually formerly of the Tweedledee and Tweedledum Wonderland gang. Um, she is pretty much Catwoman's like go-to friend for everything that needs to be fixed up. One of the things that keeps occurring in this show is that it seems like wherever they try to make a new life for themselves, wherever they try to settle down, gets sabotaged, it gets blown up, set on fire, mm-hmm. and uh, the Carpenter comes in to fix everything up. So I needed somebody that was tough, somebody that's kind of known to the geek culture as being smart and, you know, a little bit sexy, not too much. So I actually chose uh, Jewel State from uh, Firefly. She was Kaylee. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, working down in the the Mm -hmm. ship. She, you know, she's cool. So I chose her. And finally, uh, our last, uh, no, I'm sorry, there's two characters. Um, Zatanna actually shows up in this book quite a bit. And I chose Maggie Sif as uh, Zatanna. Maggie Sif is uh, the character of Tara from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did not like her in the show at first, the first two seasons, but by the end of season four, she has established herself as a very good actress and a really, really powerful character for the show. So, um, are you ta- Were you talking about Wallowitz? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, Wallowitz. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Uh, is it Harold Wallowitz? It, it, yes. Yeah. Harold, okay. the H. Yes. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And uh, let's see, my last casting is uh, the Riddler. Oh. Who, Howard. Uh, so, uh, you say Howard. Howard. It's Did Howard I? Wallowitz. You say Howard. Harold? Harold, Harold. Harold. Okay, Howard. Howard. Yeah. Close right. enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, the Riddler. I chose Aaron Paul as the Riddler, who mm. is Jesse mm-hmm. from Breaking Bad. Um, I think it would be really cool to see all these characters kind of like in their like late 20s, early 30s age range. And I could see him. I mean, I know that the Jesse character, he's a little bit of a hood and stuff like that. But I, I the emotional and the very dramatic aspects of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. he delivers some really, really, really solid stuff acting wise. And I think it would be really cool to like grow his hair out, dye it black, slick it back give him the the bowler hat and and put him like at the head of the show if he's the villain of the show and is masterminding all of these mysteries around the city of Gotham that the girls get caught up in and have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, um that's pretty much it. Steph, did you have any thoughts as to my castings? You're kind of quiet. Um yeah, no. I've actually sort of been just a absorbing them. I don't so much know about who you've chosen for Harley. Um, but I, I do like Deborah Ann Wall and uh, Have you seen True I, Blood? 
Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And remember... I've read all the books too. Um, I I don't know how like I'm hesitant about Gotham City Sirens because of Birds of Prey. <laughs> well, this is. I not... mean, it's all like just fantasy stuff, and you know, this is not going to be that. Birds of Prey. And if you if you've seen, hey, True let's Blood, not knock Birds of Prey. I'm I a Bob fan likes over Birds here. Of Prey. Yeah. But if you've <laughs> seen like... True Blood, do you remember Hoyt's girlfriend Summer, like the kind of goody goody blonde Southern Belle kind of girl? Yeah, that was Melissa Roch as well. Okay, okay, and I'm sorry for knocking Birds of Prey. No, it's that's okay. That. You're, you're just... certainly allowed. <laughs> it it yeah. We won't go there. I'm going to watch it again for Bob's sake, but I couldn't make it past the first 15 minutes. <laughs> I watched the whole series. So all right. Well, know. for another episode. Yeah, for another we've episode. All right. Yeah. Stephanie, sticking with you, uh, what did you choose for your show? Um, I went into the realm of Vertigo, and I chose Why the Last Man. Mm. Um, Surprising. I don't... Yes. I don't know. I guess this is the Brian K. Vaughn show for me. Yeah. Yes. Like every show. Uh, <laughs> but I was tempted to go with Fables, but I mentioned this to Bobby that I'd probably end up on a rant about Once Upon a Time. Mm. So I didn't want to go there. <laughs> um, anyways, so I don't know who is and isn't familiar with Why the Last Man. Not I, said the little red hen. <laughs> um, well, the general premise for the show is every single m- male mammal on the face of the earth um, has died. There's some sort of plague that's wiped off everybody. And the only males that have survived this um, is a gentleman named York Brown and his ca- capuchin, cap- his monkey, his yes. monkey <laughs> survived. Capuchin monkey, yes. <laughs> yeah, his monkey survived. Um, so they're the only two males left on Earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this obviously leads to shenanigans because i love that word anyways shenanigans so, is a great word so i know that um dj caruso is actually planning a version of this film with shay labeouf as his star Boo. But, i mean that's um, been, but that, i mean that's I, been announced like that was not so long ago boo. i can't yeah. imagine that's still happening stop booing i hate him for yeah. no reason he's been bad movies he's not bad in anything that he's in he's a dick i don't care who cares if he's a dick Personally, <laughs> he gave my friend Guff at his club. Who gives a shit? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's just let's move on. Vendettas aside, yeah. he was yeah. caught smoking pot on the roof. All right, be quiet, you. <laughs> Zip it. Anyways, so uh, I don't even know where I was. God, you interrupted me. Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> last man yeah. getting Gross. lots of getting lots Anyways. of nook nook yeah. after uh, everybody's gone. That was not an implied. <laughs> sure it is. No, I don't think so. I don't want him in my show. I'm just saying <laughs> that DJ Caruso wanted him in his movie yes. adaptation. Yes. So can it, everyone, <laughs> namely Steve. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so basically, the network that I'd want this to air on would be AMC. Um, I, I, I think like the CW does generally shows that are geared towards a more teenage audience and uh, it's not... It could work on HBO, but I think it's not something that they would take a risk on. And I don't really think it's up Showtime's alley. And AMC has done a really great job with The Walking Dead. And I think this is sort of similar-ish in the sort of post-apocalyptic strain of sure. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you know, I just think it's a really unique story. Um, I mean, we see a lot of things like The Road, 
the movie with like sort of a nuclear holocaust and the walking dead again with zombies and there's all these um different takes on the end of the world but this is like the first one i think really that's kind of like what if we cut off you know every like the apocalypse is only women are left mm -hmm. um and i think it's a, makes for a really interesting story um plus he has a pet monkey so i mean <laughs> You know, that's America awesome. That's awesome monkeys. TV there. There's going to be like yeah. millions of viewers. Just check out the monkey. Mm -hmm. um, it, sorry, what were you going to say? It's reminiscent of the Harlan Ellison boy and his dog. I... Where there's, he has a dog <laughs> and he just sort of wanders about it. They made a movie, not a very good one, with Don Johnson as the last man on earth. Well, actually the last uh, feckoned man on earth, I should say. So they so, need him to sort of rebreed humanity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but his dog um, can talk. His dog is actually a cognizant being, and they have conversations and really okay. weird sort of things. Um, um, so could, back to why the last man? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I I don't think anybody remembers a boy and his dog, no. so <laughs> we're good to go. Um. Anyways, so I, I don't think I. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn has done television stuff before as uh, Lost is. A, he worked on Lost. Yes. Words, bad, <laughs> not coming out right. Anyways, so I think that he would be a great uh, person to bring onto the show to adapt some of the um, comics to TV. But I think someone, I, I honestly don't know who else would really compliment his writing. Um, but I think that there would have to be changes from the graphic novels to draw in fans like of the graphic novels to keep them kind of surprised and yada 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 um so i'll just get into the casting a little bit um the main character is york brown as the last man on earth and i think that i kind of like zachary levi in the role Ooh, okay i like him um i know he's a big geek fan and um I think somebody who is actually a fan of the graphic novel would be the right person to adapt it. And he has the look and he has the personality and I think he would be a really great fit for the role. Okay, help me out here. Uh, he has done what? He's Chuck. He's been in Chuck. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and now Chuck has come to an end and therefore he should star in my dream cast of Why the Last Man. Okay. <laughs> yes. Zachary Levi. Be in my you gotta add, you gotta add tag him when we uh, when we post this. Um, so then the next person I have was Hero's sister, or Hero sister Yorick's sister, <laughs> who was named Hero. Um, and I think I would like Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter. Okay. Um, to take in that role because oh. she's kind of like she loses she loses someone that she was getting close to and she's vulnerable, and um. She kind of gets into this group of Amazons who want to, I don't really know what, they're just bad. They're they bad. Okay. <laughs> Why? They're bad. Um, but anyways, I'll carry on. There's um, somebody who's York's protector named Agent 355, uh, 355, 355, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Gina Torres from Firefly would be a great cast Ooh. for her. She's... Uh, proven herself in Firefly as a big, tough, her Amazon woman. And um, exactly. 
She would kick ass. So the question uh, is, though, I don't think Joss Whedon's going to let Gina Torres be in your show after you slammed him earlier for his writing on The Runaways. I'm sorry, Joss. Please let her be in my show. I, I still love you, okay? Okay. We'll just... We'll edit that part out and we'll edit this part out so you won't even know. Um, anyways, so there's another doctor who's trying to figure out what exactly happened with this plague and her name's Dr. Allison Mann and I think I would like Maggie Q in this role. Yes. Sexy, Sexy Asian. Maggie yeah. Q. Nikita. Priest. Mission anyways. Impossible 3. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm um, so unfamiliar with her work. Really? I've never seen her in anything ever. you never seen Mission Impossible 3? No. You've never seen Live Free or Die Hard? Mm, yes. Okay. She's the Asian Girlfriend. woman yeah. henchman, the sexy henchman of the Timothy Oliphant. Right, right. Yeah. I think Martial I, arts kicking butt taking yeah, yeah, names. I think I checked out like five minutes into He hits her with like that van. Spoiler fired. alert. Hits her with yeah. a van. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I do remember that part. Um, All right. Who else do I got? Um, York's girlfriend, who is named Beth DeVille. I actually chose another Chuck alumni here, and it was unintentional. I kind of only realized it just now. But I chose Yvonne Strahovski. Oh. Um, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> she was um, almost my uh, almost my Harley Quinn for uh, uh, Gotham City Siren. She's very attractive. Lady. I love her mm-hmm. very much. Well, She's York's girlfriend. She's studying over in Australia. Yvonne Strahovski's Australian, plays Americans a lot. She's hot. Um, she's hot. She's blonde. And I really think she could do with another role now that Chuck's done. And she's super um, tough. Your, your casting is very contingent on Chuck having been done. I know. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Last you know, if week. If they happen yeah, to be listening week. to this podcast and they just happen to be like, wow, this sounds like a great show from mm-hmm. my rambling, you yeah. know, They're get it be getting together. The, the script treatment. Yeah, get my now. agent and yeah, let's get yeah. together here. Um, I'll, I'll quickly go through the rest of them because they're kind of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm droning on a bit. There's um a woman named... Alter, oh God, I can't even. Alter Tessalon. I don't know, that's not it. You do Anyways, that well. Uh, and I chose Gina Carano from Haywire. She was most recently in Haywire. She's, she's like, only in Haywire. She's yeah, the yeah. MMA yeah, she's fighter. Only, I, I recently watched it and this chick is tough. She's badass. Mm. And I think this would be a good role for Gina. Um, Jennifer Brown, who's York and Hero's mom. How many um, characters I, are you going to cast? This is it. This is it. I swear. <laughs> Shut up. That's, that's okay. On mine, there's like one. Okay. So it, it, it balances out. Go ahead, Steph. Go ahead. There's so many main characters. I'm sorry. Go for it. <laughs> and I haven't talked for the rest of the show. So it's right. And we'll make, look, we'll make it a make up the time on mine. So just <laughs> name as many characters as you feel like. All right. So Jennifer Brown, Mary McDonnell from Battlestar. And or Diane Lane. <laughs> Is she going to wear one of her trademark and hats? Or, and or. <laughs> one or the other. I'll settle for either. Preferably uh, Battlestar Mary McDonnell. But if she's not available, Diane Lane doesn't work anymore. So she'd be great. Anyways. Wait, who, from, Ouch. who from Battlestar? Mary McDonnell? Ma- Ma- McDonnell? Mac- 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 okay, Roslyn. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roslyn, President okay. Roslyn. Okay. <sighs> I'll stop trying to pronounce names. I'll just tell everyone what they know. Um, and I think that's pretty well it. And the monkey, his name is Ampersand. 
and he would have to be a real monkey. None of this CGI bullshit. Well, I don't think they can afford monkey. to do a fake monkey for like I would imagine 100 episodes of the television show. I thought you were going to say Andy Circus. <laughs> I'm sure yes, Bubbles could use that is some work name. down in uh, Michael Jackson's head. <laughs> oh, that's <Too> awful. <laughs> no, not at all. Perfectly timed. <laughs> Bobby's shaking his head. He's like an <laughs> asshole. He's a chimp, like... not a cappuccino monkey. We can't use him. <laughs> And stop laughing. All right. So that that's pretty well. That's my why the last man. I've I've gone on for so long. Please, somebody take over. All right. I don't um, even know what I'm where I'm going anymore. Oh, I, you did fine. We're gonna go right on to Bob right now. <laughs> You're sure you don't want to take a break before this? We're not gonna take a break. Okay. Um I had a couple of extras and I'm gonna run through them quickly just in case. I would have been interested in a Martian Manhunter set when the book began, which is the fifties, a scientist brought him here. An alien hiding out in McCarthyist 50, playing a detective might have been fun. Dead Man mm-hmm. would be cool. Uh, the Challenges of the Unknown. It's four characters who've survived death and because they're living on borrowed time, go chasing around after occult mysteries and monsters and all sorts of things. I want to read that. That sounds <laughs> yeah. cool. Uh, Jack Kirby way back. Nice. But instead, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease. You brown bagged it. Huh? I brown bagged it just in case. Uh, it's a character introduced in 1964 in Hawkman number four, uh, Gardner Fox, Murphy Anderson, uh, related to a golden age character. She shows up searching for a parent and it is Zatanna, who you happen to hey! just mention. Uh, a mystical character, as, as done in this miniseries that came out just this year, canceled by the new 52, but she's back in Justice League Dark. Mm-hmm. A mystic detective, super-powered, extra stuff going on, other dimensions, odd things. It's funny and weird. It's Paul Dini, who, if we're doing this show, uh, he did Harley Quinn, Mad Love, so well. I am looking at, I would say, Bruce Tim. <laughs> and and Paul Dini and yeah. do this live action. I agree with Stephanie. I think this is an AMC kind of show. Maybe we do six or eight mm-hmm. nice hours and a little bit. Um, we have one character to date in, in the miniseries. They've played around with some things. And so you've got to cast this right. Now, they did it for television. They did a, a for Smallville, apparently. I discovered one episode. Oh, really? With someone named Zorinda Swan. And it looks okay. <laughs> And it's not bad. If we have to have no, her as she, a, she looks pretty good. If we have to have her as a fallback, however, dream casting, mm-hmm. Mia Kunis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, we've got a picture. This is radio, uh, but yeah, I found I a shot online that looks. <laughs> she's in my top ten. Like she's. It, this could work. It does. She does look like the character. It could, on the it cover. could definitely work. Um, failing that, someone who's on television now that could make this work, Zoe Deschanel. Did she, she's a little bit quirky, I would say. Quirky doesn't... It, there needs to be a, an element of humor to this. It can't be over-the-top, always dark, right. which is what I think Justice League Dark has missed. Mm-hmm. It should be fun and flirty without being overtly sexual. Mm-hmm. It needs to be smart enough to carry that this character has a brain in her head. I think it could be fun. Week to week, we could explore some... Uh, Occult aspects, it's all over television. We've got werewolves and twinkling vampires and all sorts of things all over the place. <laughs> twinkling vampires? <laughs> twinkling. 
They're not twinkling? No. Well, no, he's saying that those things exist in the those world. Things so exist. long as they're not sparkling. No, I he means it's twinkling. I mean sparkling. No, I mean sparkling. He means in, the, in our world they exist, so this would be a good thing to fit in to our world to kind of counteract. As a viewing audience. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because so, it's supernatural. Little, not that there yes. are sparkling vampires in Zatanna. No, 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 no. So not we're at not going to introduce any werewolves that fall in love with infants. No, 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 okay. no, 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 none of that at all. Spoiler alert, Steve. There are <laughs> fuck Twilight, man. <laughs> there are demons, and again, it's in the broader DC universe. She's in the she was in the Justice League. We mm-hmm. could have visits. Mm-hmm. I think we could have some fun. She's a cool character. She says spells backwards. Yes, that may be the one drawback. Is how do you how do you do that on television? Yeah. Speaking backwards, do you with a straight re- face? Do you read the words backwards? Do you change that? I don't think it's a killer if you have to just make her gesture hypnotically. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. It just is one of her things, though. It's one of more yeah. her, I think more it defining would be, characteristics. Uh, quite the challenge for Mila Kunis. Like I, I remember her in um, Black Swan, and you know, going going with that mood, that maybe you know she would definitely be able to pull it off but i think that you would have to really sell people on the idea of her becoming this character because she is known for being very silly and very uh petite and goofy you know zatanna has been over the years and within this they did 16 issues of this before it got booted um she is very much that which is why it was sort of my pick there are those moments in black swan where she's laughing as in this crazy picture I found, it is just so perfect for this character. It is not as deadly serious as you're seeing in JLA Dark right now. It mm-hmm. is, it's slightly that to the lighter side. Mm-hmm. I almost bought that once. I'm going to have to pick that up. Or I could just borrow it. You could, you could just borrow it. Can't go wrong with Paul Dini. Yes, absolutely. It's pretty fantastic. I'm discovering that the further we go along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have Zatanna, Gotham City Sirens, Nightwing... And why the last man? As our television shows, are you listening, TV Land? We want to see. <laughs> we all got of the them. gold right here. Yeah. <laughs> and we want executive producer credit if yes. these come to pass. Absolutely. Money, money, um, money. money. All right. So <laughs> we're gonna move on to our not to our to the releases for this week. To <laughs> these are releases. Yeah, we put these out. Money. <laughs> money. Um, from Boom Studios, we have Irredeemable, number 34, Clyde Barker's Hellraiser, number 10, Betrayal of the Planet of the Apes, number 4. Um, from Dark Horse, we have Dark Horse Presents, number 8, and we have Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi, number 0. We have Action Comics, number, this is DC now, obviously. We have Action Comics, number six. We have American Vampire, volume three, hardcover. Sweet. We have Animal Man, number six. Yeah. We have Batman, Gates of Gotham, Trey Faberback. That is a Scott Snyder a very, very book. sweet cover, by yeah. the way. It's in your article covers for- Covers of the Week. It Best is. Covers of the favorite week. covers of the week. Check it out. Uh, Batwing, number six. Detective Comics, number six. Mm. Green Arrow, number six. Hawk and Dove, number six. Last. Yeah. <laughs> Justice League International, number six. Men of War, number six. OMAC, number six. Well, a lot of books that are not going to be around in two months are, are coming out right now. Um, Red Lanterns, number six. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 18. Oh, uh, <laughs> is that in the new 52? No, it's not in the new 52. That's it's too out bad. of continuity. That's too bad. Um, Static Shock, number six. Stormwatch, number six. Yeah. Uh, Supernatural number five of six, Swamp Thing number six, and Sweet Tooth number thirty. Wait, wait, wait! 
we should be reviewing that sweet tooth number it's 30 amazing sweet tooth is amazing. 30, it's amazing 30 issues it's a, Jeff, it's a Jeff Lemire book it's a vertigo book okay it's amazing um, it's Jeff Lemire so it's automatically good it's, okay. no but it's not and, it's, it's, but it's great no it really is were you saying something Steph yeah I was just gonna say that Stormwatch uh, we were talking about uh, Jeff Lemire taking over Justice League Dark okay. and uh, Peter Milligan will be taking over Stormwatch oh uh, okay Ooh. yes very interesting. Um, Dynamite Entertainment. We have Boys, number 63. We have the trade paperback of Garth Ennis' Jennifer Blood, volume one. We have Kirby Genesis, Captain Victory, number three. <laughs> um, we have, we have, have everything to me. We have Lone Ranger, number two. We have Warriors of Mars, number one. Um, from IDW, we have Doctor Who, number 14. We have Anne Rice's Servant of the Bones, number six. Bones. We have Eternal Descent, volume two, number three. We have G.I. <laughs> Joe, number ten. We have Infestation 2, Transformers, number one. See? We have um, Lock and Key, Clockworks, number four. Um, we also have Lock and Key, volume one, Welcome to Lovecraft, hardcover, special edition, which is $100. Whoa. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. It comes with a Necronomicon yeah. inside it. Magic the Gathering, number one. Um, from Image, we have Alpha Girl, number one. We have uh, Fatal, number two. Which you can find a review of that on the site right now. That site is talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, Invincible, <laughs> number 88. We haven't said it yet. Yeah. Um, it's important. Uh, Savage Dragon, number 178. Uh, the Strange Talent of Luther Strode, number five. Yeah, yeah. Which Steve reviewed on the site. Uh, it's also up there right now. So check Fantastic it out. Fantastic series. Um, for Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man number six seventy nine, which is the second in the two part arc that we talked about. I can't about believe how ago. quickly that is. It my imagination, or did that like come it's, out week after week? It's two weeks, really. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, Avengers Academy number twenty five, um, Avengers X Sanction number three, uh, Defenders number three, um, Fear itself, the Fearless number eight, Hulk number forty eight. Um, we have uh, John Carter, A Princess of Mars, and The World of Mars trade paperbacks that are coming out. We have uh, Punisher, number eight. Um, four, The Deviant Saga, number four. We have Uncanny X-Force, number 21, which I'm now reading, and it's excellent. Rick Remender, it's a, it's a great book. Um, Uncanny X-Men, number six. We have Venom, number 13, also written by Rick Remender. It's apparently a start of a new arc. So if you want to jump on a Venom book and they haven't been reading it, that he's, might be a good place to check out. He's a busy guy because Secret Avengers is his too, right? Yeah, he's a very busy guy. He is doing Secret Avengers. Um, we have Winter Soldier, number one. Looking forward to that Me one. too, absolutely. Um, Wolverine and the X-Men. Oh, sorry, this is second printing of number three. Um, X-Club, number three of five. And X-Factor, number 231. And from Zenoscope, we have... Jurassic Strike Force 5, number one. It's actually the book and not some cheesy... I, I love you guys, but that's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's dinosaurs fighting with guns. Um, wait, wait. The dinosaurs have guns? Yes. It's Jurassic Park meets Space Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Win. <laughs> Do they wear helmets? Do they wear outfits? What goes on this here? This is the first issue. They oh. can breathe in space. Yeah. And... Total sidebar, when you said X Club, I totally thought you said S Club, and all I could think was S, S Club, Club 7. seven. <laughs> I, now that's stuck in my head. S it's Club. Billy Piper, isn't it? Is no. it S Club? No, no, it wasn't S Club 7. The no, girl that was, from Primeval. That was a girl from Hannah. Primeval, right. Mm. Um, so, okay, look at that little yes. sidebar. Thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> You're welcome. 
Um, so that is it for Talking Comics for this week. But before we get out of here, um, if you want to get in touch with us, info at TalkingComicBooks.com is how you email us. At Talking Comics is the Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash Talking Comics. Um, what else? Oh, podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, please, if you're not already, um, or on any, whatever podcasting software that you use. makes it a lot easier. You can just one click and you get it without having to download every time. Um, if you do download on iTunes, please review us, uh, at the, if you can rate us. Um, but if you have the time to write a quick review, that really helps, really helps us when people are looking for random shows, when they see a show with reviews are, they're more likely to, to look at that show. Um, Okay, go to the site, TalkingComicBooks.com. We have reviews of Strange Town with Luther Strode up. We have Fatal number two. Uh, both are books you should be picking up this week. Um, we have stories about Jeff Lemire, now you know, going to take over Just League Dark. Um, we have columns. We have Steve's art of the week, favorite uh, covers of the week. got everything and the kitchen sink. We do. We have, a lot, we have a lot going on on the site, so check it out if you're not checking it out already. All right. Um, so that's it for this week on Talking Comics. For Steve. Happy Wednesday. Bob. Good evening. And Stephanie. Au revoir. (laughs) What a linguist. That's French. Thank you. (laughs) That's French, FYI, everyone. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, I have been Bobby. Until next week on Talking Comics, to be continued.